Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 363. It made me feel really proud and way more empowered to be a woman learning about the lives of women in the project. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thanks for joining me here today. I am so excited to finally announce that I've started something new just for you. It's called a Gift Biz Bash, and it's an opportunity for you to get a short session of free live training, and then also a chance to shout out your company and any promotions you currently have going on. Or if you're interested in a collaboration, you can give us the details on that and perhaps find your next Gift Biz Bestie. These 45-minute bashes are happening over Zoom twice a month at all different times. So if you can't make one, you'll definitely find another that will fit your schedule. The very first bash is happening on April 4th, right around the corner. To see the schedule and sign up, go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash bash. It's 100% free for you to pick up a growth tip and get eyeballs on your products too. giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash bash. Come join me for the very first one. Today, we're rounding out International Women's Month with the perfect guest. We know how much strength and power women possess. We see it all around us, yet often diminish that trait when it comes to ourselves. Rachel is on a mission to change that. It's happening through creation of a product that reinforces for each of us, that we too have these traits and can do great things within our world. We've talked about the value that you already share through your products in our Handmade Heals the World month each January. But here's a way to reinforce it for yourself all year round. Messages from her. You're going to hear what it is and the full product creation story. From initial idea through development and promotion, to the upcoming event of being able to see it in real life. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to Rachel McKee. Rachel is a Colorado-based writer, designer, and entrepreneur. She holds degrees in communication design and ethical business which she's used to help solo entrepreneurs and Fortune 500 companies to develop ethical business strategies, improve design and presentation, and increase clarity, market placement, and profits. She's currently launching her first book and an accompanying card deck titled Messages from Her. Rachel, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Sue. This is such a fun project, I guess. I don't know what to call it. It feels way more than a project. Yeah. (laughs) I am excited to hear the whole story. I like to not know too much before 
I talk with you because then it's very authentic and original and I'm not hearing something we've already talked about. So I am dying to get into the conversation, but before we do, I want to do something with you that's become a tradition with my guests, and that is to have our listeners get to know you in a different way through a motivational candle. So if you were to close your eyes and envision what a candle would look like that would resonate everything you, Rachel, what would the candle look like? You know, that probably changes at different times in my life, but I think right now it would be like a really big giant candle and it would be some sort of golden yellow like the sun. So you would feel warm just looking at it. And I think it would probably be a quote by Madonna, actually, that says, I am my own experiment, my own work of art. I think at least in this era of my life, giving myself permission to let everything be kind of a fun, curious experiment is really a good guiding principle for me. And it's wintry and cold, and I'm really (laughs) done with winter and cold. So the candle itself, like when I think of it, I think of the feeling of like the sun being on your body. Beautiful. I love that. And yellow is my favorite color. Ah, nice. I smiled when you said that. (laughs) I agree. And as you know, because we've been talking for a couple of weeks before we've actually done this interview, but I got back from Colorado recently. And oh my gosh, you guys, one day it's sunshiny and bright and the next day it's snowing like crazy. (laughs) One or the other. Yeah, especially this time of the year. That's what it is today. It's snowing today. And then yesterday it was nice, but the day before it was snowing. It's like spring comes and it's not gradual. (laughs) It's like on and off. Yeah, it teases you a little bit. Well, I'm also a snow lover, so I can take both. Just wake up, let me know what's happening, and I'll deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) As you mentioned your quote, I'm my own experiment and my own work of art, that leads me to a question, which is, was there ever a time when that didn't feel like that could work for you? Or the fear or hesitancy of doing something that maybe you've never done before? Oh, sure. All the time. (laughs) I mean, I think that's a part of the journey of being a maker and a creator. I mean, at least I know it is for me. It seems like every few years I'll kind of try my hand at something new. And every time I do something new, there's just a part of it that I've never done before. And I don't know about other people, but it's my human nature, at least to be kind of nervous about doing things that I haven't done before and nervous about if I'm going to do them well and if people are going to like it. I mean, there's so many doubts that you can have in that creative process. And I think for me, like surrendering to the creativity that wants to move through me and just trusting that and really sticking with that and not getting caught in my mind and outer world suggestions and questions and, you know, just really staying true to that core creativity helps me get around some of those doubts, but I have them all the time. I'm glad you said that. And I thought you would because we all have those doubts, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's the extent to which we can decide we're going to put that aside. We know it's there, but we're going to still do it anyway. I think that can resonate with a lot of people who are listening here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm intrigued with your history in terms of your degree with ethical business. How did you make that selection? Sometime around when I was graduating high school, I wanted to go into fashion design. And when I looked into the industry, I just couldn't find many redeeming qualities. The production is pretty poor for the most part. A lot of production has moved out of the United States environmentally, it's one of the most damaging segments of the market. And so I kind of turned away from that desire for many years. And I transitioned more into art. And I was thinking about being an art teacher, and I couldn't really settle on something that felt right. But I was still taking classes and going through college and just trying to learn whatever I could. And at some point, I stumbled upon some ethical clothing manufacturers. And this was probably about like 10 years after I had this desire in high school. 
So the market had changed a lot in 10 years. And I wasn't sure about going into like continuing on the design path. So I kind of blended some of the art that I was studying and some communication design, which is kind of like graphic design. And then I blended ethical business into the program. So I went to college here in Denver at a city college, and they actually let you make your own program. So I just wanted to bring more good to the fashion industry. And that's right in line with Carabouts of today, too. So it's perfect. It all blends together. Yeah. (laughs) So that's wonderful. And so let's just dive into the guts of this here. How did the idea of the book come together? Well, first, share with us what the concept is and how it all came together. Sure. Yeah. So it's called Messages from Her, and it's a 44-card deck, and it's like an inspirational card deck that features 44 modern, world-changing women. And then there's a correlating hardcover book that each of the women in the deck has two pages dedicated to her in the book. And then the cards are inside of a little cloth bag, and the whole set comes inside of a box, kind of like a magnetic closing box, like a collector set. So the idea is that you can just keep the cards wherever you want to keep them in your house or take them with you, whatever, that's not the more part, but you just pull a card whenever you're like, maybe you have a question or maybe you just want some inspiration for the day. So you pull a card and you see that woman and you see the quality that she represents. And then you can go and open the book and you can read a quote by that woman. You can read an inspirational passage. And then I have one full page of like a history passage about that woman which is not a giant in-depth history because it's one page and these women have lived really amazing lives, but it certainly gives you a real sense of like where they came from, what they have done, the challenges they've overcome. And it's just been really inspirational for me and made me feel really proud and way more empowered to be a woman learning about the lives of the women in the project. And how in the world did you come up with this idea? Of all things you could do, Rachel. Yeah. Right? (laughs) And I come up with a lot of ideas. So this was one that I decided to follow through on. It rose to the top somehow. I don't know. It did. Exactly. You know, maybe five or six years ago, I had someone ask me how I felt about being a woman and what being a woman meant to me. And I realized I hadn't really thought about it. And from there, it just kind of opened me up to paying attention to the women in my life, to paying attention to how I felt when I learned about like really impactful women. I think that that just kind of opened up my awareness. And then a few years ago, I started seeing tarot decks everywhere and oracle decks. And Mm -hmm. like they were just suddenly, you know, like when maybe you're going to have an idea about something and suddenly that thing is just like everywhere kind of tapping on your shoulder. Yeah. I would go to a friend's house. I would go to a coffee shop. I would go to a yoga class, whatever it was. I'd just be like, there's another deck, another one of these decks. And so I don't remember exactly which one I was kind of like handling one day, but I just was in the process of pulling a card from one. And I had this thought like, gosh, how much more impactful would this be for me if this was full of like real relatable women that have just done some of the most amazing things in the history of humanity. And I love the way that people have brought to life all different kinds of topics through Oracle decks and tarot decks, like elements of nature. But for me, I mean, I think role models are really powerful and looking to people that we admire and learning from them is so healthy. So it just was like a kind of momentary flash. Love it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's what happens. That's how you create products of all sorts. We talk about that here on the show. Like, how do you identify what your business is going to be? Because lots of times a maker can make a million different things. Definitely. So they're thinking of all the things they're already making. And then all of a sudden, one day they'll walk through the kitchen or they'll be in their closet. They encounter a problem and it's like, oh my gosh, we all need something like this. And then all of a sudden a product is born. Exactly. 
I think it's just kind of the universe coming down and blessing us, touching on the side on the shoulder and say, you, <laughs> you're going to do it. Yeah, I agree. I sometimes feel like oh, I can give you the logical explanation for where this idea came from, but also like <laughs> there's a whole invisible explanation that something dropped some idea, some muse <laughs> dropped some idea down into my head. And, and then I try and sit with an idea when I get one for a while and I do some research and I look around and just really start to pay attention to how that idea would work in the world. And that process kind of leads me to decide whether or not I want to really bring it to life. I like the idea of letting it sit for a minute, too. You said you come up with ideas all the time. Yeah. Do you ever have the time <laughs> thing where you come up with an idea and then a week later you're like, what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you need to give it a little bit of time to confirm that it's the right idea to move forward with. Let's go through and talk a little bit about the creation of all of this. So this turned into a business that you've registered at this point, or how does this connect in? Because you're going to be obviously making money from the sale of the books. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Blending the like, you spend so much time in the creation of something and thinking about it, and then you bring it into the world. And it's like, oh, yeah, right. I still got to like make the website and calculate the margin and who's my target audience. And so it's like the creation part is a little more to me, glamorous and spacious. And then, you know, you've got to use some other like qualities and discipline to really create the container to bring that creative project into the world. Mm -hmm. So is that what you did first is created the deck and wrote the book first? Definitely. Yeah. My very first question is, how did you select which women would be so honored as to have a card? Yeah. So at the beginning, and I wasn't quite sure if I was going to follow through with it or not. I just kind of was doing brainstorming. I started this giant spreadsheet. You know, I'd hear a song or I'd hear a quote or the story of someone would just kind of pass by my day in some form. And so I'd write down their name and then I'd start a column for like what few top qualities they represented to me. And then I'd have another column for a quote by them and another column for a quote. And so I just started gathering information. And then I think it was right around the beginning of the pandemic. I had a little more time on my hands, like a lot of people did. And I was like, I should really use this time to do something that I've been thinking about for a long time. So from there, I don't know, I just sat down with that spreadsheet so many times <laughs> and started filtering out the women that I felt like had the biggest impact on me. And then I also wanted to choose some women that were really well known. So that way, if someone wasn't so into like women's history or women's empowerment, they might be like, oh, I love Dolly Parton. I don't know what this is about. I'm going to get it. And then it kind of is like that one person, that one really well-known person is kind of like a gateway into learning about all of these other women. And everyone would have a different gateway based on their interests, potentially. Hopefully. Yeah, exactly. And then I filtered the women down based on what qualities I felt like they represented to have a really solid foundation of a lot of primary qualities that we all might be in need of. So like one person's quality, like Beyonce is power and Helen Keller is feelings and Georgia O'Keeffe is slow down. So like I have way more than 44 women that I'd love to keep writing about and I'd love to do future volumes. But this first volume is really kind of like creating a solid foundation of just like aspirational qualities that we might want to look to blended with some really well-known women and some lesser known women and just some women that have done some really phenomenal things in the world. Love it. I'm going to ask you for certain categories in a couple of minutes, but I want to stick with this whole creation idea. You were gathering all the information, making your selection on the women, and then doing the card and the book simultaneously. Great 
COVID project, mind you, to get your mind off of everything else that was going on and be productive and all of that. I think that's fabulous. I can just see you behind the scenes doing all of this. Yeah, it was really, really an amazing COVID project also because the stories of these women's lives are so inspiring and we're not getting consistently fed inspiring information unless you're really seeking it these days. So it was really helpful. (laughs) That's a very good way to say that, Rachel, for sure. Okay, so all the information now is done. Then what happens? Well, I also, at the same time that I was writing the book, was working with an illustrator in Australia. Mm-hmm. So probably from March 2020 for about a year, her and I went back and forth picking, like I would pick the woman and I would send some photos over to her and she would do kind of a starter illustration and we would go back and forth about that. And, you know, it really took patience to just let it evolve in a natural way. So it really came through visually the way that I wanted it to. And I didn't want to like force this project. For some reason, it felt like it was the kind of thing that I wanted to let evolve, like with some sort of organic and enjoyable and peaceful feeling to it. So I was writing, we were going back and forth on the illustrations, and then it came time to finding a factory that can produce everything that I've designed, which includes the cards, the bag, the box, and the book. You led right into one of my questions. How did you source the people that you use, like the factory, like you were just talking about, like who was going to actually produce it, but even your graphic artist? Yeah, well, the artist, let's see, it took me a while to find her, maybe a few months, and I tried out a few artists, illustrators on Upwork. I don't know if you've ever used Upwork. I love Upwork. But you know what? Explain it to people here who might not. Yeah, so Upwork is just like a giant online platform where you can find people with all kinds of skills all around the world. You can find marketers, you can find illustrators, you can find graphic designers, you can find copywriters, like any kind of work that people can do remotely you can find it on Upwork. And I've just had some really lovely connections over the years hiring people through Upwork. Would you say it's a higher level than something like Fiverr? I think so. A more advanced skill tier, if you will, or projects that you would search for? I think so. And I really like the way that you can look at like their portfolio and see what they've done before. And like, it just feels like there's some good transparency around what their skills are. Okay, so that's where you got your graphic artist after testing out a couple. Well, actually, so I tested out a few on Upwork and didn't find the right match. And then I probably messaged maybe like 20 people that I found through Instagram. And when I found my illustrator, her illustration artist name is Harley and Jay. I saw a little bit of the artwork she was doing and I was like, oh, this has to be my woman. (laughs) I was so excited. So I sent her over a couple test projects, which I can't recommend test projects enough. just by sending her a few photos of the women and just seeing what she came back with. And they were just so spot on, you know, they're illustrations, but they somehow evoke the feeling of each of the women. And I'm just so happy with how they turned out. So that's how I found my illustrator. Well, you know what, that's a testament also to not settling. Yeah. Continuing to go until you find the right one. And some of it is just intuitive, the way you work together, and then obviously what they bring back for you. I mean, it's always an interesting process, hiring people, period. (laughs) But hiring people from afar, I think you can look at how are they communicating with you? How quickly are they responding to you? I'm always feeling people out in just the communication process while I'm getting work from them, because that's really important to me. Like, is someone going to respond and communicate clearly? Do they seem excited about the work? Are they responding within a reasonable amount of time? I don't like holding people to this idea that like you have to reply instantly. I'd like to kind of break some of those ideas in our society. But, you know, I also don't want someone to take more than a couple business days to get back to me. Well, or give you an expectation of when you can expect a response. True. 
I want to sit on this, think about it, let it settle in. I'll be back to you by Wednesday at the latest or something like that. Yeah, I love that. And I love them to follow through when someone says they're going to get back to you when they actually do. And so you found her, you were working with her. But one other question here, was there any documentation that you had her sign before you shared any of the information with her? No, actually. No, there wasn't. I had to think about that for a minute. You didn't do a non-disclosure or anything like that. Or did she have an agreement that she gave to you? (laughs) No. I mean, in my other aspects of business, I definitely tend to do things like that. Like I actually have a business where I do consulting with ethically made clothing companies. But every now and then it's like I feel someone out and it doesn't feel like something that we need to do. And I didn't have any concern that she was going to like take this project and try and do it herself. Like she's an illustrator. She's not a writer. I'm bringing the writing to it. It felt very like the synergistic kind of skills, not like any sort of closed or competitive kind of thing. And all she was doing was the images. So she didn't have the total package anyway. Yeah. I mean, she could see what I was writing because I wanted her to feel like she was learning about Mm -hmm. the women as she was making the illustrations to like really get the feel for them. Okay. All right. Wonderful. And so let's carry on with how you did the book. And I think this is just interesting for people to just hear the background of all of this. So you were looking for one place to do the book and the deck at the same time, right? Yeah. And the box. And the box. Which proved to be a more difficult thing to find someone that could do a really good job at the box. And I'm a packaging nut. So that was a really important aspect to me. This whole thing has emotion wrapped around the entire project. So the experience of opening it when they receive it is really important too, I would imagine. Oh, for sure. I think it's a really big deal. And I'm I'm packaging up these amazing women that have just done such great work for our world. Like I want the box and the bag and the book to feel special like they are. So how in the world did you start from zero to researching? What did you do? So there are always companies you can work with as an intermediary if you want to do any sort of printing. So I started out thinking that that's what I was going to do. But then I just didn't feel that great about not having a direct line of communication with the people that were going to make the products. I tend to be pretty hands-on with what I do. And I mean, I guess I could also (laughs) have a little bit of a control freak when it comes to something that I create. So I started out and was thinking about that. And when I shifted from that, I started researching factories, some factories in the US and then some factories in Southeast Asia and some factories in China. And I felt pretty intimidated actually at first about going like communicating directly with an overseas factory, which I decided to do an overseas factory because of the way that they can print gold foil on the cards and on the bag and on the box, which just felt like I felt like gold foil initially was my like number one design aspect when I visualized the whole project. So yeah, at first I was intimidated and then I realized, you know, I had worked with all of these companies for the last decade that work produce products all over the world with all kinds of different factories. And so I felt like even though it might be a little more work for me to do it myself and to go directly with someone abroad, that ultimately I was capable of doing it and people have done it before and I could figure it out and that it was worth doing it that way just so I could really be the person that's going to be saying yes or no to every little way that the product was made. And so was this then identifying factories, getting samples of their work, that whole type of thing back and forth? Yeah. So I went through a couple factories, like one factory made the cards really well, but they just could not get it together with the book. Like I'd open the book and the pages would just start like falling out. If you opened it too far, they weren't like properly glued and bound. And then I found another place, but they weren't really like communicating consistently. And they 
didn't have the ability to do the box. And it's interesting how, you know, I was in contact with them and they'd be like, oh, you don't want to do it that way. Do it this way. It's easier. Of course, because they're going to tell you what to do with what they can provide, right? <laughs> yeah. And like what's quicker for them and they don't have the same vision, right? But basically, if anyone kind of gives me that message, I'm usually like, oh, this is not my place. I wanted to really feel like I had people that were giving me amazing service, like amazing customer service, excited to make the product with me. If I told them I wanted something done a different way that they would try and pretty quickly figure out how to make that happen. So Mm -hmm. I think it was maybe my third or fourth factory. I have this like lovely team of three women and there's the designer and like the factory manager and the customer service person. And I just really like sometimes they're on me to be like, hey, you owe us this file. And I love that so much. And so how long did it take that whole process from when you were ready to start looking for a factory to when you actually found and was able to start really working it? Maybe eight months. Okay. All right. Well, that's not terrible. It's not. It's not terrible. I mean, I think for people that are in the industry and in the practice of making things and finding factories that will make the thing that they designed, it's not that long. I mean, I probably spent two and a half years from the point that I decided to like go for it when I got the actual final prototype in my hands. So I think if you're not used to making things, it's like, oh my gosh, that seems like forever. But I felt okay about the timeline. But I'm thinking that you might have been overlapping the writing and graphic creation portion with the cards with also the investigating the factories. I mean, at some point that probably kicked in and overlapped at the end. Yeah. Wasn't just the writing stopped, then the factory discovery and experimentation and all of that, and then commitment, et cetera. Yeah. Once I felt like I really confidently had my right designer and we had designed like half of the cards, then I started kind of tiptoeing into factories. So yeah, I wanted to make sure that I was like really committed before I started spending money for prototypes and just opening up a whole new component of the project. Sure. And how were you communicating with people overseas? Were you doing Zoom calls or how did that all work? Yeah, so we started out with email and then we transitioned over to Skype, actually. And so they'll message me through Skype. I do a lot of video feedback. So like I'll get a sample and I'll record unboxing it and looking at everything and pointing things out and send that back to them. And then they send it back to me. And that's been a really great way of communicating. Yeah. And then every now and then we'll go into email. I think we've done two Skype video calls, but for the most part, I've been really impressed how much we've been able to do and work well together through emails and messaging. Well, and I'd say good factories have a lot of experience with overseas coordination of projects too. So this isn't something new to them. They've figured out how to do it and make you feel comfortable and then give you what you need. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. I mean, I'm more new to it than they are. (laughs) Right. But you've got to get the right factory that you're really going to feel comfortable with. And obviously, I mean, I work with a factory overseas. I make a brand of ribbon, my own brand of ribbon. But I went and visited the factory just because I wanted to make sure that I liked the conditions, I met the owner, all of that type of thing. But I did that years ago, certainly not in the recent years when no one was traveling, let's face it. so And that's the way most people do it. Most people aren't going and actually seeing the factories. Yeah, totally. And I think that is something that I have had so much, like the brands that I do consulting with in my kind of regular longer term day job, I've worked so much with them about like the right certifications for their factories and the right questions to ask. So I mean, I found this factory since COVID started. So I definitely have not been there. 
but they use a ton of sustainable materials. They pay living wages. Their factories are really clean and well lit. Uh, they're in Shenzhen in China. So like Shenzhen is one of the most like creative and clean and like sustainably producing factory cities in China. So I really love them and they've been so pleasant to work with. And it's just been interesting kind of like learning about how they communicate and learning a little bit more about their culture. And it's been a sweet process. I've had the same thing because my factory's in China as well. And I became friends with my major contact there. He just had a baby girl. And like, you mm-hmm. know, I know the family and it's really nice. But I think that this would be an interesting conversation for people who are listening. If they were ever to consider doing a project overseas, do you have any advice for them now that you've run through the experience for the first time and you have experience from your other job? Any direction for people who are thinking that they cannot continue handmaking their product they need to do, and maybe it's even just a portion of it overseas? We're taking a quick break right here to hear from our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How, you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Yeah, I mean, I think the one paying attention to how the communication is going, like I was talking about, like consistency, consistent communication, follow through. Like I want my factory to be like asking me for the deliverables that I've told them that I'm getting them, not just a one-way street. So just finding a factory that feels like they're actually partnering with you on moving your project forward goes so far. Obviously, like a lot of factories will send you a ton of samples of their work. And so get as many as you can. Just know that like, again, you can go through intermediaries anytime they're going to take a chunk of your profits. They might not communicate about your project in the way that you really want them to because they might not love it the way that you do, right? It's just the nature of making something of your own. And it might take a little bit of time to like nail the communication and find the right factory. But I think it's totally doable. Like I would just tell people, don't let that part intimidate you it's workable once you just kind of get steady through the process a little bit. So yeah, I mean, just like sample, sample, samples, consistency of communication. Again, like I mentioned, finding a factory that really wants to work with you on making little tweaks and adjustments. I definitely had the experience where I'd be like, oh, this looks good, but we need to change this. And a factory would like kind of ghost me for a little while. So just finding groups that are really collaborative is super important to me. Yeah. I'll tell you, if they're doing that right in the beginning, when they're trying to get your business, it's only going to get worse from there. <laughs> yeah. You have to be careful and vet it out for sure. But it's doable, like you said. And I agree with you. I don't have an intermediary either. And I love doing it that way. I just feel like their heart with my business and my heart is supporting them and their production. It's a two-way street here. All right. So as you're developing messages from her, what were you thinking? How are you going to handle the investment that had to go into the project? Yeah, so there's been two primary investments so far, which was investing in paying the illustrator and then investing in getting the prototypes. 
And so I kind of budgeted out for myself what I was willing to pay for. So I paid for all of that. And then I just launched a Kickstarter yesterday to fund the first print run of the project. Okay, so yesterday we are interviewing March 9th. So that was March 8th. 8th, yep. And this will be airing a couple weeks from now. All right. And so how's Kickstarter going? (laughs) Like that's a whole nother thing, right? Oh my gosh. We could talk, do an entire episode just about Kickstarter. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do an outline summary form or something. (laughs) Yeah. Kickstarter is like launching a business kind of on steroids. I'm finding out. I like to tell people that when you're going to go get a puppy and you're like, wow, this puppy is going to be a lot of work. And we know it's going to be a lot of work. And you get that puppy home and you're like, wow, this is five times more work than I even thought. That's how Kickstarter has felt for me. It's just been like such a fast paced world. I mean, it's a month long campaign. So normally you might launch and then you just kind of like you can launch organically or you can keep refining your marketing and you have no kind of start and finish line. It creates a totally different feeling and dynamic. Yeah, but you had a finish line, it sounds like. I have a finish line that's going to be on April 7th, but you also set a goal. So let me back up and just, you know, Kickstarter for those that aren't familiar is a crowdfunding platform. So the idea is that you've made something that you love and you show a bunch of other people. And if they want to see it in the world, they contribute to your campaign. In exchange, they usually get your product for that contribution and their money goes towards bringing the first production run of your product to life. So it can be really sweet get a lot of good feedback. You can get friends and family involved and you can kind of empower people in the process of bringing your project to life. It's also just like a massive platform where you can reach a ton of people that you might not have access to, but there's so much that goes into it that you got to really nail your design and your execution of the campaign. So people really take you seriously and think that, you know, if they back you, you're going to really follow through with making the product. Like I have spent the last, gosh, maybe month and a half every day working to do outreach and emails and marketing and to just try and like front load a lot of support into the campaign on day one. And there's a lot of different ways you can do a Kickstarter, which every time I do a little more, I learn a little more about it. So like some people spend a few months before they launch getting people signed up in advance. So then they like knock it out of the park on day one. And some people do paid marketing through the whole thing. And some people do a really community oriented project, like a community garden, where then they get everyone in the community to donate through Kickstarter. So it's really vast. There's a huge range of products on there. It's an interesting platform. I would recommend that if anyone is thinking of doing a Kickstarter, just give yourself like a good few months to get your whole campaign and your like pre-launch outreach done, like make it spacious. I think because there's a start date and a finish date, it can feel just a bit intense. And does Kickstarter give you direction and tutorials or anything to help you along the way? Themselves specifically, I'm sure you can go on YouTube and learn all about Kickstarters. Yes and no. They definitely have articles and some like checklists. And if you follow those, you're going to be in good shape. But I think what I did is I looked at a number of campaigns that I thought really did a good job, both in their execution and in meeting and exceeding their financial goals. So I, as I was building out my campaign, always had like three tabs open for my top three like inspirational Kickstarters. <laughs> so I could look at, oh, how did they communicate this? And how did they build this? And how does this work? And then I started talking to a few friends that had done Kickstarters a little late in the process, but definitely like do your research about well crowdfunded campaigns and see what they did. See how long their videos are, see the way they design their page, the way they design their rewards. 
You can search for the kind of media coverage they got in advance, how their social media looks like. It's worth doing the research and giving yourself the time to do it well, because if you do it well, then you've just got a really invested community that's there for your success for the launch of the Kickstarter, but also through anything else that you make. I think people just feel so included in the process through doing crowdfunding. Agree with you. And if you've never been on Kickstarter, it's so fun and interesting just to go and look at all of the different projects that are in development. It's crazy what's out there. It's very fun. Give us some more detail about your Kickstarter, what the offer is, what it's looking like. Okay. Yeah. So there are a few different reward tiers that you can do, but all of them you get something back for. Of course, you can also just go on and crowdfund and just donate money to people's campaigns because you love them and you just want to see them bring their product to the world. So just a flat out donation is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. So for mine, I have one small reward, which is a sticker that's three of the cards. I just wanted to give people like a $5 option to get something inexpensive and feel included. But then all of the other tiers are different versions, different like deliveries or like a two pack of the deck. So there's one that's early bird discounted copy for the first 100 backers. So that's $37. And then there's a regularly priced set, which is $40. And then I have 100 copies that are going to get aired in early. Those will be arriving in May. So that's $100 to get one of the aired in copies. And then my favorite tier is the most expensive tier, but it's $350 for 10 copies that get donated to a girl's charity outside of LA called Step Up. And Step Up works with teen and adolescent girls that are kind of like at-risk youth, and they partner them with adult women mentors, and they give them social training and emotional training and financial training, and they give them job placement training, and they help cultivate their interests and hobbies. And so the idea is this project is all about role models and looking to other women and other people that have done amazing things. So anyone that donates at that higher tier is sending 10 copies so they can actually distribute a copy to girls in the program. I absolutely love that add-on. It's my favorite. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Obviously, you can buy multiples. Like you could do the 350 and then you could also get a couple for yourself and whatever you want to do, right? Yeah, you can mix and match however it goes. So Kickstarter, it's not always the most intuitive platform, but you pick your main reward tier. And then once you pick your main thing, you can add on other reward tiers to that. And then I also, one thing that I really love, which most people probably will just glaze over, is there's this very cute like gift box. If you want to give it as a gift, you can also buy a box that has a poem by Maya Angelou on the cover of the box and the logo. And so it'll come like packaged as a gift for, you know, maybe like a gift for the favorite woman in your life that inspires you as kind of a thank you. I added a few extra little design elements that people can add on. And I added an e-gift card. So if anyone gives it as a gift, they can notify the person that they're giving it to. And so... It's pretty thorough at this point. (laughs) Well, we're going to say this again at the end, but since we're talking about it right now, where can people go and find all this information? Yeah, so the Kickstarter link is very long. I can't just give that to you in like a word, but the website is messagesfromher.com. And there's a banner at the top that you can click on that'll take you to the Kickstarter. There's buttons all over that will take you to the Kickstarter. I'm also on Instagram at her underscore messages. And the link, if you're on Instagram, in the bio of that handle will take you right to the Kickstarter as well. All right. That is perfect. A couple of other questions. And then my quiz. Then I have a quiz for you, Rachel. (laughs) Great. No pressure. (laughs) Where along the process did you start working on your Kickstarter? Later than I should have, to be totally honest with you. 
I really started actively doing it just this January. I kind of thought that like I was a little naive about it. I thought that a lot of the assets and work that I had done were going to just transfer over a lot more like like for like. And I underestimated just how much I would have to customize and change for Kickstarter. So I just really upped the volume that I have been working the last month and a half to finish it in time. I also two weeks behind because like many, many people between Christmas and maybe it was right after New Year's, my partner and I and everyone we know got COVID. So I had to just kind of like (laughs) surrender. So yeah, like I said, I was about two weeks later than where I wanted to be. But I just tried to keep putting in the work and trusting that the time was going to work out. So I wasn't super stressed the whole time. So would you say a comfortable pace would be like four to six months out? Something like that? Oh, yeah. I think I would have given myself three. Okay. And I know people, again, that have done Kickstarter and like I have a design, like a graphic design background. So I think a lot of the things that I did were a little bit easier for me than someone that doesn't have all those skills. Like if I didn't know the design tools that I know, I would have had to hire a couple other people. My partner is also an entrepreneur. So like he has a friend that's a videographer that did came and did the video with us. So if I didn't have connections and some of the skills that I had, I would definitely give myself like five, six months. Okay. All right. Perfect. And how did you feel when you finally saw the finished product done, the prototype of the finished product? Walk us through that. (laughs) I think I cried a little bit, honestly. That's good. (laughs) Because I was just really touched seeing it finally come to life. And again, I'm such a packaging person, like packaging is so important to me to convey really what's inside of the box or whatever your packaging is. And so just like it actually got delivered while I was out of town and I had a friend and I was like, you have to go pick this up for me. This cannot vanish or get misplaced. And so I had a friend go pick it up and I got back in town and I got the box at like a brunch we were at and I didn't want to open it at brunch. I like took it home and it just felt so real when I actually pulled it out of the box and seeing something that you make come to fruition, I think is really touching. And then again, the second layer for me is that through learning about the lives of these women, I just feel so much happier to be a woman. So it feels like it's emotionally like resonant on a few different levels. I'm proud of myself for seeing it through. I'm touched seeing this thing that I've been envisioning for a long time. And then I'm feeling like I've honored the women that I'm writing about by making something that I feel really good about the final And you should be so proud, like from idea and conception to what I am envisioning to be such a beautiful quality project. Do you have a video of that unboxing anywhere? My partner did. He totally did. I was trying to do it privately and he was like, "Uh uh-uh, and like (laughs) came in the room and recorded it. That has to be saved somewhere. (laughs) It exists in some form. Yeah. Oh, gosh. All right. Are you ready for my quiz? Yeah. I mean, maybe. We'll see. Are you nervous? Well, I don't even have any idea what it is, so I'm just wing it and just trust that I can wing it. Yeah, you can. I am going to ask you three categories, and you're going to pick a card from my categories. Who is the most surprising card? Gosh, I'm not sure about that. The first woman that popped into my head is Irina Sendler, which, I mean, what she has done is really heroic, but she's maybe more of a surprise because I think a lot of people don't know about her. And so share just a piece of information. Yeah, so Irina Sendler was a nurse in Poland during World War II, during the Holocaust. The Warsaw Ghetto was the largest ghetto in all of Europe in World War II. And she went into the ghetto under the pretense of providing nursing care for people with contagious illnesses that the soldiers didn't want to go in and get. So she would go in, she would find children, and she snuck them out of the ghetto. 
She recorded their name with a secret language that she made up, and she hid their names and where she placed them all across Europe with different families so they would be saved. So she made up this language. She hid their names in all of these jars, hid those jars all over the place around Poland. And at one point, she was even caught for some of this and sent to be executed. And then someone broke her out of jail from the Nazis, and she went into hiding. And at the end of World War II, she went back to all of the hiding places where she had kept these records and found all of the children that she had hid, which was something like 3,500 children. Whoa. Yeah. I thought you were going to say 35. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That is incredible. Incredible. Yeah, and just incredible. I'm going to change my category from surprising to incredible. Okay, second one. There's three here. Second one, who is one of the most unknown women? So I think a woman named Jane Addams is really not well known, but she was one of the most famous women in her lifetime. She won Nobel Prizes. When she died, she was the most famous woman in the world. And she died, gosh, in the early 1900s. So it's not even that long ago. She was born into a really wealthy family and she didn't want to go down the path of like socialite and having kids and raising a family and having a big house. And so she took all the money that she inherited and bought this incredible complex called Hull House, which is actually in Chicago. She studied this kind of like, I think it was called the Reformationist something. She went over to Europe and learned like this concept of bringing different groups of people together for the well-being of society. So like bringing different economic groups and different races and like immigrants and having them in this giant complex together in varying styles of housing, but all together in the same area. And the complex had like a community gym and after work classes for people to be able to kind of like get out of a lower paying job. They had like a movie hall and like a girls club and a boys club. I mean, kind of anything you can think of. Oh, there was a clinic and a birthing center. Like it was just this, like almost this own little mini city of services where people lived. And based on all of the studies that she did in that project, that created what we now know is like social services, which were not a part of our government or society before she did the work that she did. Wow, that is incredible. You're not kidding, inspiring. I know. Like these women, crazy. All right, you ready? This is going to be the hardest one. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe this will be the easiest for you. I'm not sure. But which one is your favorite? Oh, yeah, that is the hardest, you know. (laughs) I can't pick one. (laughs) Because they're all your favorites. I already get that. They are. And on different days, right? And I think that's the nice thing about each of them representing different qualities. Like if I'm feeling X way one day, then I'm really drawn to that person that represents that for me. One woman that I continuously come back to over and over again is Cher, though. I think Cher is definitely one of my favorites. Is it because of her hair? Oh, my God. It's about everything. (laughs) She's just amazing. And her card represents imagination. And her quote, see, I don't want to like butcher her quote, but it's essentially like everyone makes up their own life through their imagination. Some people just use more imagination than others. And I think she's just been so creative in her life. I think a lot of people maybe kind of forget all of the different things that she's done. Like she's so funny and she's had her own shows and she has excelled in like all the ways that she's brought art and creativity to the world for so long. And it just feels like she's like an inventor of her own everything, you know? Yeah. So it's just a good, I mean, I guess it's similar to the quote that I told you from Madonna at the beginning, but just kind of like making your life whatever you want it to be and imagining and going after that thing that you imagine. And like, you're in charge of that. You can do that. 
All right. So, Rachel, are you reaching out to all the people who are still living who have a card? I've started reaching out to some of them, but I haven't reached out to all of them. Okay, good. That's (laughs) exciting. Yeah. I want to know how that evolves. I'll keep you in the loop. I'll let you know. All right. I cannot wait to go and check this all out. I was waiting to talk with you about it first, because like I said, I didn't want to know too much before I went and dove into everything. Any final word for all of our wonderful women who are listening here and the power that we have and our ability to make achievements? What else would you say to them? You know, I would just say like one of the big things that I've learned from this project is looking to other women as like an example of what's possible instead of competition or feeling like they've already taken up a certain amount of space, like celebrate the women in your life for what they've done because they're also showing you what's really possible. They don't have something that you don't inherently have. Those skills and qualities and all of those things that you see outside of you are inside of you too. Beautiful. Couldn't have said it better myself, Rachel, (laughs) so I'm not going to. (laughs) Go find out everything about this right over on the website, messages from her or the Instagram account of the same name, the link in the bio. Rachel, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you, Sue. It's been fun. Here's to honoring you and all women past current, and future. I can't wait to get my hands on this book and the cards because I want that value reminder each day. We are all powerful, vibrant women, and the world needs us to show up that way. Before you move on to your next activity today, make sure to get your name on the list for at least one Gift Biz Bash. You can see the dates for April and May and get signed up over at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash bash. Up next Saturday, you're going to hear from a woman who completely pivoted in terms of her ideal customer. She started thinking she'd be selling to one type of person, but discovered switching gears to reach out to another made a whole lot more sense. And boy, has it paid off. If you're enjoying this podcast, here's a way to show your support. You can visit my merch shop for a wide variety of inspirational items like mugs, t-shirts, water bottles, and more, featuring logos, images, and quotes to inspire you throughout your day. Makes a great gift, too. And we've just added some new products to the shop. I found Turnaround to be quick, and the product quality is top-notch. Take a look at all the options over at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash shop. All the proceeds from purchases of these products goes to help me offset the costs of producing the podcast. And now be safe and well, and I'll see you again next time for the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? 
If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.